you're smart and work hard, but just aren't where or who you want to be. Welcome to your podcast, Real Confidence. I'm your host, Alyssa DeVere, and I'll be sharing a bit of brain science, some surprising social secrets, and a touch of tough love. Why? Because I believe confidence is everyone's fundamental right and choice. So let's get to it. So when the team here at American Confidence Institute was like, you got to do another podcast. I was like, yeah, right. Like the world needs another pandemic. But I do think that having some of these conversations about confidence, about the villains that are always at our confidence, try and take it and erode it down. Geez, I wish somebody had them with me, these conversations a long time ago. So I am excited to be here with you and For those of you who don't already know who I am, my name is Alyssa DeVere. I am the CEO and founder of American Confidence Institute, and we study the science behind confidence and bring that forward in all kinds of media like this podcast, keynotes and workshops, e-classes and the like. Hope you'll check it out. But in the meantime, let's get into this amazingly cool topic we're going to talk about today. And I picked it as the first of the new podcast series for a very good reason. As the name says, not everyone's going to like you. It's one of those things that I have conversations about more than than not because it's the core. It is the reason. It is the absolute kryptonite behind our confidence crises. No matter how old we are, no matter gender, ethnicity, it is really at the heart of just about every conversation we have around confidence. So let's talk about it. Let's dish about it. Now, we have data at the Institute, we started uh, a couple of years ago, about six, seven years ago, and it was our first data set that shocked me when I found that people age 60 were finally peaking with their confidence. Like, why does it take us so flipping long to get there? And in digging through the data, I was like, I got to interview these, these people at 60 and find out why. And, and it was pretty hysterical because every one of them, literally, not a few, every one of them came back and said, it's because by 60 years old, you finally realize that you don't care what other people think about. <laughs> and when I would probe on that, it literally was like, you know what? You don't like me too bad for you. You know, so a magical moment at that, at that point where it was like, you know what, this really is an issue for people throughout their lives that they're so worried about what other people think about them that it changes the way that we believe about ourselves, our behaviors and everything that we do and become. So I wanna invite you for a second to just think, what if I could wave a magic wand, not necessarily make you 60 years old, but literally erase that fear, like take that out of your brain and say that I'm giving you the freedom to do and be whoever you wanna be and not worry about what other people think. I want to say not other people, not your family, not your friends, not your boss, no, no one like you do and be you. And it's easy to say, I realize that, but just think for a minute, if you didn't have that worry, if you really didn't care, would you dress differently? Would you maybe post different content on social media, different stuff? Maybe you'd stop posting. <laughs> I know I probably would. 
would you go to the gym? Would you not go to the gym? Would you do different things at the gym? Would you do different things in terms of your schooling academic pursuits? I bet you'd feel a lot less guilty overall. You probably wouldn't worry so much about how you looked or how you sounded. And you might even celebrate all the stuff that you're doing that just makes you happy. Right? Sounds ridiculous. I, I, I even saying it, I kind of like, really? But yeah, if you didn't care, if you put on those blinders, if you gave yourself permission to not worry about what other people are thinking so much, you probably would rise to be your best self a lot sooner than 60. Now, I have an occupational hazard. I, I'm always on the lookout for confidence. I'm looking at people's faces and the way they walk and what they're saying. I just, it's what I do for a living. What can I tell you? But sometimes I have to uh, uh, I go into live experiment mode. And what I mean by that is like, I'll go into a store and my, one of my favorite places to do some occupational research is Chico's. Now, Chico's is a great place because you get a lot of different people, women, in particular, and the clothing tends to be, not all of it, tends to be very expressive. It's got bright colors and bright patterns. And I will stand and kind of pretend I'm shopping and look around and, and uh, people will come in and the conversations they have with themselves and their friends and the salespeople are unbelievable. Uh, most of the time, the phrase, I couldn't possibly pull that off, you'll hear from the shoppers. Like, what do you mean you couldn't possibly pull that off? What does that mean? Does that mean that you'd be embarrassed? Does it mean that you think you'll look ridiculous? What, what does that mean? And occasionally you'll get a gaggle of, of women that come in together and one will say that, oh, I couldn't possibly pull that off. I couldn't possibly wear that pattern or that color. And the rest of the women will be like, oh, come on, of course you can. You look great. Right? They're all convincing themselves, convincing that person. And it's interesting to see most of the time that person will kind of go, oh, really? Do you think so? You think so? And subsequently buy that shirt or, or whatever it is. You know, I, they're even looking for a salesperson who, you know, is probably on commission uh, telling that person, oh, it looks fabulous on you. Now, do I think that's fair and nice and helpful? A different conversation for a different podcast. But reality is, that again, that person, the shopper will wind up saying, oh, well, if they think it's great on me, then I'm going to buy it. They're not trusting their own set of values, their own set of I like this shirt. I'm going to rock it. You know, it's just they need that comfort from somebody else. So again, I ask you to think about if you weren't tied to other people's opinions like that, if you weren't tied to worrying about so much of what other people are going to think about you, how would it change something that you're going to do today? How is it going to change the way you feel about yourself? Now, when we look at confidence villains, confidence kryptonite like this, it's easy to say the problem is society. It's easy to say that this is just the way that we were brought up or the way that we were taught to think that we're supposed to be tuned into other people's feedback. And yes, it has a place and, and, and it's certainly important to understand how you're showing up and, and the kind of impact and influence you have on the world. But again, I will challenge anyone who says that to say, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, if you're not comfortable being who you want to be, you will have limited influence, limited impact in the world. 
So let me give you some um, other ways of thinking about, quote, the problem. The problem isn't that you should or are worrying about what other people think. What the problem is, is you're afraid they're not going to like you. That by not liking you, then you're going to feel less than. You're not going to feel as good of a person. You're not going to feel part of the tribe, part of the gaggle, <laughs> part of the club, part of the company, part of the family, part of the whatever, you know, back to Abraham Maslow's 1940s pinnacle work on the need to belong. We're going to feel like we're not belonging, that we don't matter. And I'm here to tell you that it's BS and it's BS because not only do the 60 year olds tell me it's BS, but it's BS because when you put on the confidence cape that I'm about to give you that rejection is only a matter of one person's opinion. And that's all it is. And the good news is there's an awful lot of people in the world that probably feel otherwise, that will love you, that will embrace you. So when, for example, you suffer from that moment with he or she doesn't like me, you know, and I, I get those crying out loud. There's a woman that I work with on a committee um, in town. It's for the school. And for some reason, her behavior changed in the last couple of months to really kind of give me the signal that she doesn't like me. And this is a very personal thing, right? I'm not talking about hundreds of people. I'm talking about one woman who clearly doesn't like me. And the, you know, she gives me a little bit of that hairy eyeball look, short tempered. She doesn't answer my emails. Her emails are very curt. Now it could be that she's just mad, angry, upset, dealing with a bunch of stuff, COVID. Could be a thousand other reasons. But of course, immediately, like, she doesn't like me. Now, is there something that I did? Can I say to her, hey, you know, I'm sorry if there's something that I did, I'd like to really understand. Can I get feedback? Can I try and be extra nice to her? I can, I can make that decision. I can ask her if there's something I can do to help her. Maybe she's dealing with stuff that I'm just unaware of, but I can also take a different approach, right? Now, the same approach I'm gonna give you can apply to a group of people. And let me give you one other example. I do a lot of presentations, a lot of keynotes, and I'm anal about getting feedback. I always give a feedback form. I want to hear what people think. I want to know what parts they like, what they didn't like. I want to improve. I want to stay connected to people. So all good reasons to get feedback. My husband teases me at this all the time. I can speak to six people, 60 people, 6,000 people, and inevitably there's going to be a handful, two or three, maybe more for all I know, that don't like me that didn't like it, that were uninspired, that felt like they had to give me feedback that said they didn't like me. Now, in the first couple of years I was doing this, literally would kick the shit out of me for a couple of days. I'd feel terrible. I'd feel horrible. I feel like I failed. There could have been 599 or 500,099 positives, <laughs> but that one that said they didn't like it would ruin my week. I swear to you, and I won't lie to you ever, let alone now, to say that when I get a negative review, it does kind of rock me in the beginning. And then I have to remind myself, again, like this other friend, maybe they're going through a bunch of stuff. Maybe they're just rolling it forward. Maybe they're just not my people or I'm not their people. Now, my brother-in-law, who's, who's pretty funny as a human being, and came back to me a couple of years ago when we were talking about this very issue, and he's a sales guy. and you know, for better, or for worse, totally prototypical sales guy. So again, not everybody's going to like him. And 
he said to me, sales is a matter of numbers. I knew that. He said, so if you think about it, let's just say one out of 10 people is going to like you, is going to like what you're selling, is going to like you personally, but one out of 10, right? That's pretty good odds, 10%, actually. He said, so if you're going to meet nine people in the path that don't like you, you got to thank them because you're getting closer to the one that's going to like you. And I thought he was out of his mind, but I have to tell you, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It's a way of re recognizing that there is population around you at, in any sense, family, friends, work, everything. And there is going to be a certain amount of people that are not going to like you. Hopefully it's not 90%. But when you recognize that they're not your people and you put them aside and you say, okay, they're just not my people or I'm not their people, you go and you spend your energy, your time, your emotional resources, finding the people that like you, to find the, the people that you like, life is a lot more pleasant and you get to be with them. You get to talk to them. You get to sell to them in Matt's case. So moral of the story is, yeah, not everyone's going to like you. A few people certainly do. And you can remind yourself of that. You know, I had an interaction yesterday. I was on the phone with uh, Amtrak. I was really struggling to um, find information on the website. I waited for 40 minutes to get to a person. When she finally answered, I said, boy, it's so good to talk to a human. That music was really getting to me. And I really appreciate your help. And it was almost as if I said to her, I love you, right? Because she all of a sudden was like so relieved that it wasn't me whining or yelling or getting upset with her, which most people do. But as we started to talk and as she expressed to me how busy it's been and how hard it's been on her end, and we had a meeting of the minds, not only at the end of the call, did she ask me for my personal information so we could get together? Literally, it was pretty funny. I loved it. She said to me, I really appreciate you. She said that she said it twice. I really appreciate you. And taking that phrase and planting it, not just in my brain, but putting it on writing in a place where I can remind myself when I have a, a person, like the person on the committee, or I get that bad feedback form. And I remind myself that Conchetta really appreciated me. Total stranger on the phone asking about Amtrak, <laughs> right? But there is my people. She's one of my people and I'm one of hers. You know, so remind yourself if there's one or two people that give you a hard time or seem that they don't like you, A, maybe it's because they have a bad day, they have a bad life for all you know. But okay, they're one of the nine. Move them along, right? Now, before I close out today's podcast, I want to give you, as always, some really specific thoughts, of course, but tips. And, you know, ignoring feedback like that, I'm not saying you should just push them aside and not take note. When you come in contact with somebody who may be giving you that vibe, the, the hairy eyeball of, I don't like you, or maybe it is even the feedback form or the rejection. I'm a hound when I get rejected for speaking up, for example, I will go and hound them for feedback, but use it as a learning, figure out why that person is not interested. Don't try and necessarily sell them why they should be interested. Just find out why. Use it as information. You don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it, but look at it as data. So get feedback. 
try and understand it. Maybe it is something that you're doing that's a real turnoff for all you know, or maybe you're just not saying the right thing, or maybe you didn't push the right button, or maybe, as I find out with a lot of speaking things, somebody else's in-law or, or sister-in-law got hired. I mean, it could be anything like that. Maybe it's your pricing. Maybe it's just the way that you were so aggressive to somebody, or maybe it wasn't you are not aggressive enough. So getting feedback really helps. And I do always encourage that. Like I said, be a feedback whore like I am. Always go after it, right? Then make the decision, make the choice on if that person or if that situation is really worth changing your behavior. And you have permission, not just from me, but from yourself. You have permission to say, no, that's not what I want to be. That's not who I want to be. That's not somebody I want to associate with. That's not the kind of person that I want to be known for. But at least you have that feedback and you can decide what to do with it. You can make a decision then how to adjust your behavior and your thought process. Maybe it is going back to that person saying, hey, I apologize for being so aggressive. That was not my best and I'm going to try harder next time but you could make those deliberate conscious decisions with that data. So back to our central theme here. Not everyone's going to like you. It's okay. In fact, celebrate it because you're closer to the people that will embrace you, love you, give you their phone numbers because they want to be part of your orbit and you never know where they're going to be on the Amtrak helpline or somebody that lives next door. And I'm going to tell you this too. I'm going to give you permission not just to be okay with not everyone liking you, but I'm going to give you permission that you don't have to like everyone either. Yeah, how liberating is that? So whatever it takes to make you feel that you got your people around you, that you're going to remind you that there are people out there that do really dig you, that really love you, and that you have everything you need to be liked, to like yourself, to like that bright color shirt and Chico's if you want to wear it, you could do it. You should do it. And most of all, when we're talking about liking, what really matters is do you like who and what you're becoming so that we can all get to that magic peak of confidence, hopefully sooner than 60. And in the meantime, <laughs> as we're all a work in progress, even after that 60 benchmark, I would love to hear some feedback about this podcast and all the future ones coming at you. If you happen to like this one or anyone, I would be grateful for you to share and to put a little like literally on your uh, social channel wherever you're listening to this and share it. And I want to remind you that my greatest superpower is giving confidence to others but so is yours we can do it by liking and sharing information and so if you think there's someone out there that would benefit from today's podcast please push it out to them and I, again i'd love to hear back from you so for today for now please carry forward that superpower have a great day be your confident best and thank you for bringing more confidence to the world this is Alyssa devere see you next time